It's June 28th. We're reading through the Bible. We've come to Job chapters 13 through 15. And you'll be reading that today where we see Job in the middle of his response to the third friend that had come and accused him of things that weren't true. And so he's responding with a... uh, with a frustration, obviously, that you would expect. And he says some things here that he wants a hearing with God, that uh, God comes on the scene at the end of the book and uh, really accuses him of wrong in doing that. Um, And much like we see in that discussion in Romans chapters 9 through 11, um, we recognize that the pot shouldn't think that he can call the potter onto the... um, the bench or the, the you know the box to be tried and put him in the dock to be tried we don't uh, we shouldn't think that way and we uh, yet we understand it in job's case that he's hurting and struggling and yet even in that mistake that he makes here you see his godliness shine through in the bedrock resolves of his heart i often say uh, our peacetime preparation for the spiritual warfare that takes place when we're struggling is so important good for us to think about being able to respond even as job did when everything went south in the beginning of the book that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away an affirmation of God's sovereignty. Very important. Doesn't mean he's not going to spiral into some pain that causes him to say some things uh, rashly that he shouldn't. Uh, But here you see a godly uh, kind of uh, open door into Job's heart that he's going to trust God no matter what, even if he dies and God kills him, even if he slays me, yet will I hope in God. So we get some great statements here of resolve from Job in chapters 13 and 14. Chapter 15, we have the, the first friend we met, Eliphaz, coming back. He had talked about uh, man's sinfulness, and now he's going to point the finger right at Job and saying, you are a sinner, and you've got sin in your life, and your iniquity is in your life, and it's coming out of your mouth now, and uh, he accuses him of uh, all the things that we've already seen coming out of his other friends, hypocrisy, you don't fear God, uh, which is not true at all. I mean, we've, again, we've seen this is the uh, wrong indictment from the friends about Job, because this is not while this bad stuff is happening to Job in this book. So uh, again, we're in the midst of a a heavy, dark, gloomy book, but uh, in the end, we'll see God affirm his greatness, and uh, we'll get to that soon enough. Our New Testament reading is in Acts chapter 8. Philip, you'll remember this um, deacon, and we see in verses 26 through 40, is going to do some evangelism here in a very important uh, conversion, the Ethiopian eunuch, as we call him, part of uh, Candace's entourage uh, from Ethiopia. And he's um, reading in this chariot, Isaiah 53, and tees up the ball. I don't know if you've ever had an evangelistic encounter like this, but um, probably not, but something close to it, I'm assuming, where someone asks you just the right question. And here he says, I don't know, tell me about this passage. Is this prophet speaking about himself or someone else? And so Philip is ready with the gospel, as I hope you are, to share the gospel with uh, anyone who asks for the hope that is within you or a question about the Bible or God or whatever it might be. We need to be constant uh, students of the word, regularly engaged in knowing God's word so we can respond and jump in in obedience as an ambassador of of the message of the gospel. So we see that great story there. Immediate baptism takes place after that, which in this case is a leader of the church. And of course, the importance of this missionary encounter, there's a baptism without a book or a meeting with a pastor or anything like that. We just get right to the fact that you repent and uh, then you obey God. And the first act of obedience, even in the book we make people read around here, is uh, our act of water baptism and expressing that. At least sequentially, that's the thing that God calls us all to. All right, that's Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Our community imperative is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 13. And let me uh, 
combine these phrases in verse 13 that might be helpful here. It says, contribute to the needs of the saints. Of course, the saints means Christians, right? Anyone who's a saved saint in your church, a Christian, and seek to show hospitality. Talked a lot about hospitality, um, the compound of phileo and xenos, uh, which means an outsider or a stranger, someone who's not a part of your group. And if that's not meant to, to be an ethnic discussion about people of other ethnicities. It's really a discussion about people, um, you dealing with the outsider as though he were an insider, dealing with someone in the body of Christ like they were um, part of your family. And the context is contributing to their needs. And if there's some need in your kid's life. I mean, you're there to meet it and you pull out your wallet and you meet those needs and you do that because they're your family. And here's a passage that reminds us that we are to be generous to meet needs, even when it's not our family, when it's our spiritual family in particular, which is what's in view in Romans 12. So I put it this way. The community imperative is to be generous, to meet needs. And at least in my notes, I put parenthetically, even those you don't know well, even those that aren't your family even those that aren't in your inner circle. So maybe today you think about how God might use you to meet some needs practically, financially even. If someone's hurting, someone needs something that you say, God, how can I meet those needs? It may even seem odd. And if it seems so odd, maybe you want to meet that need um, anonymously, whatever. But you want to make sure that you're out there to try and contribute to the needs of the saints when you see people in the body of Christ that need something practically, that you're there, moved by God with sincere love for them to uh, meet their needs in tangible ways. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with another Community Imperative and our reading in the Old and New Testament. We'll see you then.